The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl G., and I'll be your host for the hour. Today, we're going to be talking about five accountabilities for personal and professional growth. And much of our conversation is going to center around a great book we found called No More Excuses, where um, the author, who's with us today, did some research and interviewed about 50 or actually over 50 successful masters in what we call the art of accountability, which included some individuals, some academics, some Fortune 500 CEOs, as well as some Hall of Fame themes, and in his book, he tells a wonderful uh, story and provides some fabulous guidelines around um, how to go about being more more accountable. Um, I love the sentence that he starts his recap off with that says, people who achieve truly great things in life know that true accountability makes all the difference between success and failure on both a personal and organizational level. So I am just delighted to uh, introduce to you Sam Silverstein, the author of No More Excuses. Sam, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Great. And also on the line we have Valerie Wright, who is our associate producer with Leadership Matters, but is also the president and CEO of Wright Ideals Unlimited. Valerie has recently relocated from San Diego to Florida. Uh, Valerie, are you in West Palm Beach? Yes, West Palm Beach. Great. So wonderful to have you back and have you on the line to have this conversation today. Thank you, Dr. G. It's a pleasure to be back. Wonderful. So to um, start our conversation, now why don't I ask each of you, uh, maybe beginning with Sam, to share a little bit about yourselves. Wow. Um, (laughs) Husband of one, father of four, I consider that the most important thing in my life, but uh, I have a business background and built up several companies, sold some of them off, Um, Masters in Business Administration, past president of the National Speakers Association, and today I focus my time entirely on helping organizations build accountability into their organizational culture. So in essence, my company teaches accountability. That's what we do. That's what our focus is on. Wonderful. And that's excellent because that's what we're going to be focused on today. And Valerie, how about a little bit about yourself? Well, as you said, I've recently relocated and um, am now running a business consulting company working with uh, nonprofit organizations as well as um 
startup businesses, new entrepreneurs, working with them in coaching, training, uh, providing business development, organizational development support, um, have a background as a nonprofit executive and manager, both in small nonprofits as well as working for major large uh, nonprofit in San Diego uh, in organization development, have a bachelor's in public relations and journalism and public relations and a master's in organization development, uh, as well as I've recently become a board-certified coach, so um, basically working with uh, leaders and leadership development. Fabulous. Well, wonderful to have you on the line as well, and pleased with... um Really just the uh, wonderful diversity that the two of you bring uh, to the show as well as relates to just your um, different walks of life. I'm going to start by asking each of you just to share a little bit about what accountability means to you. Um, who'd like to go first? I'll yield to Sam. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. What did you say, Valerie? <laughs> I said I would yield to you. <laughs> oh, you're, so, you're so kind. I appreciate that. Either way. Um, okay. Well, you know, if you look up accountability in the dictionary, it says responsible for something or to someone. And while I won't, I won't refute that, I define accountability a little bit differently. I believe accountability is when your decisions, your choices, your actions are congruent with your values. That's when you're truly being accountable. Because when you make decisions based on values, you make inherently better decisions and if your values truly state who you are and that's what's driving the choices that you're making, then you're being accountable to yourself. And when you're accountable to yourself, then you can truly be accountable to others. Okay. I absolutely love that. So, um, Valerie, you want to add to that? I, I totally agree with that. And I think the other part is the ownership for maintaining that congruency and being accountable to yourself first, being responsible to self in terms of maintaining that congruency. Wonderful. And and in how you live that out, being transparent in how you relate to others. That's great. I love that Um, coming from each of you. Um, Can you think of an example of an individual or an organization that successfully practiced accountability? Um, and, and then really, and you don't necessarily have to name them, but I'd like you to call one to mind if you don't mind naming them. Certainly open to receiving names, but really want to know what did they do that really demonstrated accountability, either on an individual or organizational level. Sam, why I don't guess we it's your turn first, first this time. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. Um, I have, there's a gentleman who is, um, I refer to him as a guru of organization. Uh, or um, community development and watched him um, in a pilot project that uh, he worked with a group of non uh, funders and foundations in terms of developing an organizing project and being his whole focus was about how do you maintain the um, honesty and focus of residents over what was politically expedient for those funding the work in communities and watching him both hold the funders accountable to hear what residents were saying, but also um, being very um, strategic in helping residents understand that it was not always their right, but being also accountable for members 
uh, residents who were not always honest and who always who had hidden agendas. So it was really about him balancing the relationship between communities and funders, um, but just watching how he was able to keep people honest and open and maintain integrity of the process of organizing and funding so that people really gained a level of respect for one another that was open dialogue, um, just a process where people felt good at the end of the day in terms of that relationship because it didn't start out with a lot of trust but was able to build up that trust. Wonderful. So really from practicing the accountability, the, the um, process itself created an openness and a higher trust level. Absolutely. Okay. And mm-hmm. any other uh, results or outcome from that openness? I think the la- long-lasting result of that openness was that people felt like they had a place at the table. Often when people don't um, know what's going on or feel there's not enough transparency, people don't want to come to the table. Um, but there was a broad uh, involvement from community residents and just a consistency in the work that they were doing Excellent. and able to do because people stayed at the table. Excellent. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. How about yourself, Sam? Any examples on an individual or organizational level where someone um, successfully practiced accountability? Well, I see this all the time. I see where accountability is lacking, and I see where it's in play. My studies have all shown that people inherently want to be accountable. They just don't know what it is they're accountable for. Mm-hmm. And that that many times, most of the time almost, people see accountability as a consequence. Mm-hmm. That it means standing up and set, raising your hand and saying, it's my fault, I'm sorry, it won't happen again. And while I think that something doesn't go wrong, we need to um, we need to be responsible. But to me, my goal is to teach people to help make accountability their competitive advantage. And to do that, they need to be proactively accountable. And so what I look for in organizations is what, what we call proactive accountability, where individuals know what it is that they're accountable for, and there's five things, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But the idea is that they're executing on those accountabilities in advance so that they're able to achieve what it is that they want to achieve. So have a, uh, I was in a familiar with a hotel in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, for instance, where the director of housekeeping um, realized that something needed to be done and she wasn't able to jump through the right hoops to get the funding to get the project done, to get the, the, the things purchased. It's not that they wouldn't be approved, but in the, she needed them now and she didn't have two or three days to wait. So she went out and bought what she needed herself and then let the hotel reimburse her. That's being proactively accountable. That is getting the job done, and that is achieving at the highest level. And so that's just one minor example of where somebody stepped up, did what they knew needed to be done, and didn't wait for the system to support them, but but took action themselves. Um, Excellent example. Um, Sam, I know you work also with a lot of organizations. Is there a, um, another example that you might um, give that, that would help us really envision what it looks like for an organization to be demonstrating accountability, either on a department or organizational-wide level? Well, the goal is to create this conversation around accountability within an organization. And I don't know that I... It, it, it's it's what it's about getting everyone on the team speaking the same language, and when they're speaking the same language, 
then they're able to achieve at an amazingly higher level. So I don't know that I can give you a specific example of a specific company, but conceptually, and what, what I see in play is that where people are working together more efficiently because they're accountable to themselves and then they're accountable to each other. And when that happens, that's when the organization grows in accountability. Okay, good. And so what... Um so part of that proactive accountability you said was knowing what you're accountable for, so I'm assuming that that conversation between the people is about, um, you know, what it is that they're trying to achieve in that kind of that common and that shared um, goal, but also maybe the lines or areas of uh, responsibility. Not sure. Help me out here. Well, in, in the book No More Excuses, we talk about five accountabilities. Okay. And it's understanding these five proactive accountabilities. Okay. And I think that when we get to that, then I think that'll frame up exactly what you're looking for. Excellent. Okay, real good. And, and that will be then what we'll do. I know we'll be taking a break here in a moment, but when we come back, I will ask you to share a little bit more about what you found in those uh, 50, um, over 50 interviews that you did and that you then, I think, summarized into your book that gives us this um, the wonderful meat, one might say, of no more excuses and really kind of share uh, an overview of those five accountabilities. So I'm going to ask our listening audience to please stay with us and we'll be right back with Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. 
or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're discussing the five accountabilities of personal and professional growth. With us today we have Sam Silverstein, the author of No More Excuses. Thank you again, Sam, for being with us. My pleasure. It's great to have the opportunity to share what I believe is a very important message for the world we face today. Wonderful. And then Valerie K. Wright, President and CEO of Wright Ideals Unlimited. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you, Dr. G. Enjoying the conversation. Great. So what do we get out of, or I should say, what does an individual organization gain by being accountable? Sam, you want to start us off with that? Sure. When you look at proactive accountability, what happens is individuals gain focus. And when they gain focus, they also gain productivity. And that productivity that individuals gain transfers to the organization. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build organizations that are more productive because today, you know, we're faced with a situation where we have to achieve the same or hopefully more, but sometimes the resources aren't there as um, abundantly as they've been in the past. And if we can be more productive, if we can achieve at a higher level and we can grow the value of what it is that we do, then everybody ends up winning. Good. It definitely sounds like a wonderful uh, win-win approach. Valerie, any thoughts from you on that? Yes. When I think about accountability, especially when you talk about proactive accountability, think about it as purpose, being very clear about purpose, what your purpose is, and um, how do you achieve it, which goes back to what you talk about, focus and productivity, Sam, when people understand that their what their role is, then they understand their purpose, uh, and they understand then what they're there to achieve. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. That's exactly. It's it, you know it really does revolve around that purpose. That's the whole. That's the driver. If you don't understand what your purpose is, you don't know what you don't know what comes next, do you, Valerie? Right. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And I love that the connection to focus because purpose is what focuses you. And when you're focused, then you can achieve the things you have set before you. Wonderful. So um, why don't we actually start with maybe considering the five accountabilities. And, um, Sam, why don't we have you share the first one with us? Okay, sure. And this is based based on all the interviews with all these great individuals, literally on six continents, from chairman of the board to people who climb Mount Everest to the gentleman who headed up the team that rewrote the South African Constitution 20 years ago, which would be like you and I sitting down with Thomas Jefferson and mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was really an amazing experience. What I discovered is there were five accountabilities in play with all these what I call accountability masters. And they might have called them something different, but they were all doing these five things. And when I look back in my life where I had succeeded, all five of these accountabilities were in play. And when I look back where I had failed, well, and there's plenty of that, it looks like I drifted from some of these. Great. So let's start with the, yeah, the first one. Great. The first one is that we're accountable to do the right things consistently. And this is not the morally right things. Mm -hmm. It's tactically. We always have to do the morally right things. But we need to know what our tactical right things are, the things that we need to be doing every day, every week, every month, 
that will allow us to achieve our strategic intent. Now, Valerie, you mentioned purpose before, and that's really, you know, your purpose or your goal or what is it that you're trying to achieve. I call it strategic intent. Mm -hmm. When you know what that is, then you have to stop and say, what do I need to do? What do I need to execute on a daily basis in order to achieve what it is that I'm trying to achieve? And that is the first and primary thing that we are all accountable for. Hello? Are we there? Thank yes, you, you know what? I'm sorry. I actually had dropped into mute on you, so oh, love okay. that, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I so was we're talking about doing no the right things consistently, <laughs> understanding what your strategic intent is. Right, so if my strategic intent is to speak and be heard, I probably need to not have my phone on mute, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's a great example of not doing the right thing. <laughs> Yeah, so your first right thing is to make sure the mute button is blocked. <laughs> exactly. So, the, uh, Valerie, any other thoughts for you with regards to just this first piece on doing the right things? Yeah, I, I think part of it is getting clarity. Um, I think people don't do the right thing in terms of tacti- tactics is because they don't have clarity, and that's a part of the process to getting there is really gaining clarity and um, moving forward. Because I think as we gain clarity, then we help others to um, find their value and clarity as it relates to how they work with and around us, whether you're speaking individually or even within the organization. The organization's tactic need Mm -hmm. to be clear in terms of how do you go about doing what it is you're trying to achieve. Yeah, and you know, I kind of am honing in on these words with regards to um, you're accountable for understanding and identifying your strategic intent, and then Mm -hmm. the tactics being the activities that support it. I think the strategic intent wraps so much back to uh, the space that you talked about before as it relates to the whole, um, the purpose, Mm -hmm. the values. It's, It's really helping everyone realize how important it is to understand, you know, what is the overarching purpose or mission, so to speak, what are the values, and then where are you headed with regards to the high-level vision in building the tactics from that. Because if we start building tactics without that, we're off course before we really get started. It's almost what I'm hearing to say. Is that on or is that off? Right. That's exactly right. And the key to remember here is if we're involved in an organization There may be an organizational-wide strategic intent or mission, if you will, Mm -hmm. but then there's departmental strategic intent. Mm -hmm. And the strategic intent of the sales department is going to be much different than the strategic intent of the production department. However, those strategic intents support the organizational strategic intent. And then each individual within those departments has their own strategic intent, and that's what we need to build our right things around. And when we're clear on what our right things are that will allow us to achieve our strategic intent and support the departmental and organizational strategic intent, that's where focus goes up and that's where productivity increases dramatically. Right, and I can see that as being what we would call being in alignment. You have good alignment to drive that forward. Um, you, you have as your second accountability, I'm going to ask you to say more on it, manage your space. Say a little bit more about that. Okay. Um, if, if we were dealing with a retail organization or, or a manufacturing organization, I was with Lockheed Martin watching the F-15 come off the line last week, for instance. 
Space might be literally floor space. It could be mm-hmm. physical space that you have for production or, or for putting product lines in to sell. But for most leaders and organizations, whether they be profit or nonprofit, our space many times is our mental capacity and our time. Yes. It's what we do with our time. We as individuals only grow into a vacuum. And if we want to grow and be more productive and provide a better return for organizations, we have to create that vacuum to grow into, which means that we have to eliminate to create that vacuum. There's only 24 hours in a day. So by eliminating activities, determining which ones could be delegated or just completely eliminated, that creates the space for us to take on new areas of responsibility, which allows us to produce at a higher level. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Thoughts, Valerie? Yeah. I would add to that sometimes it's having the the, the time that you have be uninterrupted, <laughs> um, just having the space to to um, create the space to that you can um, do within that space what you need to in terms of your time, um, your environment. I think mm-hmm. that we have to have the kind of space that free us up to manage, to, to um, become creative mm-hmm. and bring new ideas. Sometimes we're so busy uh, with our time that we can't even, within our own minds and energies, we can't create. Mm-hmm. No, I, I love that. And so it really kind of boils down to um, clearly prioritizing and um, figuring out how should I be personally using my time and how should I be using the resources that I have available to me. And if we don't take the time to think strategically about that, we can get so caught up in doing, but maybe not necessarily doing the things that are going to matter most. Right. And I think that that is so, so critical. And, and Valerie, I'm sure you do with your coaching, and I know I have with coaching, run across so many people who are stuck um, doing tasks that they are um, just used to doing or right. used to having done a certain way, and so they do it themselves, and then they don't really feel like they have the time to step back in and think more strategically or think more creatively. So I, I really love this managing your space and, and really kind of thinking about how am I using my mental capacity and time. Um, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes that's, it just means I think what you described, and I see it with our clients, is people working in the business instead of working on the business. Ah, I love that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I love that, yeah. Right. and Good. And so that second accountability you had was managing the process. You want to say a little, I'm sorry, the third one would be managing the process. Sam, you want to say a little bit more about that? Well, being accountable to manage the process means there's always a process in play. The question is who, who's in charge. And if we have a strategic intent or goal, we know that it's not always going to be smooth sailing. It's not always going to be that, that we're going to, you know, we're going to run into obstacles. We're going to run into challenges. We know that's going to happen. The question is, when you run into those challenges, who's managing the process? So if your flight's canceled at the airport, do you go get in line like they've instructed with 133 other people and wait a couple of hours to get rebooked on another flight? Or do you pull your, your cell phone out where you have the number for every major airline, you call them up, and literally within two to three minutes, they've booked you on a replacement flight, and you're probably taking off while someone's still in line trying to get rebooked. So you run into a challenge, but you retain control of the process. You manage that process. So often I find that people just say, well, 
you know, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. Um, that's just not good enough in this world. I just don't buy into that. I believe what's meant to be is that we all have given a set of gifts and tools, and it's meant for us to find a, a creative and resilient way to apply those gifts and tools. It's not enough for an employee to come back or an associate to come back and say, I tried. I tried is not a sufficient answer. Here's the results. They might be a little bit different than what we originally planned on, but by golly, we got pretty close. That's that's a better answer. Okay. Valerie, thoughts? Yes, I love that. I I think I've shared that with you, Dr. G. My mm-hmm. dad said if it didn't get done, it was just an excuse of why he 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 hated excuses. I think that's why I resonate so much with this book. What did you do to try to get it done? I know. And I that, think when at I the end of the day book with you, is, you is what oh. makes the difference. I remember we um, when I worked directly with Dr. G and um, the other person in our office, Jocelyn, we hit a snag. And Josh said, we'll just make a lemonade stand when we get lemons. And, you know, which is really what you do. You turn it into an opportunity and you move forward. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, Valerie, when um, sharing this book with you, you really immediately, after having it, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, I love this. (laughs) Yes, it just so resonates with how I've tried to live my life based on the teaching from my father makes so much sense just in terms of how you stay on track, Mm -hmm. how you um, manage your life without, you know, as you say in the book, you're going to come into those obstacles and those roadblocks, but your your accountability, your responsibility is to figure out how, how to move that roadblock or turn the roadblock into an opportunity and still keep moving. Right. No, absolutely. And I'm loving that, too. And and it's so important for us to when we hit that that um, obstacle to really be able to just not stop there and think, you know, when's the new door going to open, but really start pushing the space and creating opportunities and other ways to continue to move forward. Looks like it's time for us to take another break. So we're going to um, pause for a moment and come back and hear the remainder of those two um, accountabilities and also questions from our listening audience. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. 
turning hard times into good times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Thank you for staying with us, and we're back with more on Leadership Matters, talking about the five accountabilities for personal and professional growth, really kind of following the work of our author who's on the line today, Sam Silverstein. And Sam, am I saying your name correctly? Silverstein, that is correct. Okay, wonderful. And the author of the book, No More Excuses. And thanks for continuing to be with us, Sam. And on oh, the line, this we... is great. I appreciate your, the insights that you're sharing and allowing me to uh, share my point of view. Good. We appreciate hearing it. Valerie uh, Wright, thank you also for being with us. Valerie is the president and CEO of Wright Ideas Unlimited. We've talked about three of your fabulous accountabilities that you have listed in your book, No More Excuses. Um, I love that third one because I think it comes up all the time. We plan, we plan, we plan, and then what we plan doesn't work, and and if it takes us a long time to rebound from that, like you said, you could be standing in the line at the airport or wherever in the process of a plan and not moving forward, but to begin to search out new opportunities and uh, new options to continue to move forward toward that strategic goal, uh, I think is really important with regards to uh, just having the fortitude to plunge through and make things happen. The fourth accountability you have listed here, uh, Sam, was establishing the right expectations. Talk to us about that. Well, all studies show that expectations drive activity or actions, and then the actions determine your results. Um, gymnasts have been studied from a young age all the way up into including Olympic gold medalists, and the performance that, that they exhibit has been tied directly to the expectations set upon them by their coaches. Um, so the idea is that it's critical that we set or establish the right expectations and communicate those expectations. We need to establish expectations for ourselves in an individual environment, but in a group environment, there's joint or shared expectations that need to be established. Many times we set expectations based on the history of what's gone on in a sales department or organization. They'll take sales from last year and create a new sales goal. And the sales goal inherently is like last year's sales plus 10%. Don't know where they come up with 10%, but I interview people. I speak with organizations around the world. And let me tell you something. In Singapore and Hong Kong and Australia, they use that same 10% that we use in the U.S. for some reason. But the reality is we don't know if that's a good number because we don't know if the number from last year is a good number. Because last year's sales might be low compared to the industry averages, and you could still be setting a new expectation or goal based on a, on a bad number. So I believe that you set your expectations based on your, your history and experience, but you also need to set your expectations based on the history and experience of other people in your industry. And then we also need to look outside of our industry for experiences and bring that in. So you have a triad of, 
of information to set those expectations. Expectations that aren't too low, expectations that aren't too high, but that do motivate you to work at a higher level. Great. Any additional thoughts on that, Valerie? Um, this would play up that whole notion he just said about looking outside yourself. I know you didn't say it that way, but that's how it came to me. Sometimes when we are looking to move forward, we look at what we think we can achieve, but there are things that are outside of our own capabilities that support us in going beyond ourselves, that whole stretch notion you just talked about in terms of, you know, this is what I can do in my own power, but what can I do with a team or what can I do if I think beyond what I have right here in my hand? So I love that, looking outside yourself and stretching to do and achieve more. And I think I resonate with that where I am right now back in a startup business and trying not to think, oh, is this all I've got to be able to do, but really thinking about what's possible beyond what I see right now. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So that's either formal or informal um, collaborations as Absolutely. well as teaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think it's important to remember. You know, I, I had a client once that said, "I like to set the expectations just as high as I can set them." And and I think we have to step back and make sure that we don't set the expectations unreasonably high. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important. And, and it says in the book to establish the right expectation. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not just a high expectation because if you set them unreasonably high, then what happens is we make bad choices trying to hit those expectations. And that's sort of what happened in this country a few years ago with the economic situation where these banks set expectations so unreasonably high trying to get returns for their shareholders that they made loans that were bad loans because they were trying to get a high return. Mm -hmm. And there is a big difference between the right expectation and just an unreasonably high expectation. Yeah, but one of the things I loved in your book that you emphasized there was um, that the expectations that they should reflect your values. Yeah. And so, you know, so I think coupling all that together with regards to the history, uh, past performance, experience, the benchmarking, and making sure that it's a bit of a stretch um, and also that it's consistent with values. I think the value string, um, I love the way that's woven through um, each of your accountabilities. Well, I appreciate it. And that's where we started our conversation today, is understanding that our decisions are congruent or in alignment with our values. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach, when I work with organizations, we teach them how to create their own personal value statement, which is made of three specific values, each individual having their own values. It's something I believe in so much that my values are, are monogrammed inside every suit that I wear because I want to take that with me everywhere I go. It's just that critical okay, that I we understand ask, what our I values are. I have to stop and say, what's monogrammed within with within each of your suits. Is that is it too personal to share? I'm happy to share. My life is an open book, I believe, at this point. But my value statement is all about integrity, respect, and significance. Nice. And, and the key with values is I, I believe three is the number. I had a client once. They had 25 values for the organization. Nobody could remember them. Right. I, with three, you can, you can remember them. You can articulate them. And the beauty is you get to interpret them the way that you want. So you might say, well, Sam, honesty is not one of your values. And I go, well, yes, I do value honesty, but I think that that falls under respect for me because if I respect you as an individual, then I'll always be honest to you. 
But the key thing to remember, and sometimes I think we come up short, is values, our values, are not just how we interact with other people, but they're how we interact with ourselves. Yes. And so I look outward with integrity, respect, and significance, but then I have to look at myself and say, do I treat myself with integrity? Do I treat myself with respect? And do I try to bring more significance into my life? And when you truly look at your values, both inward and outward, then amazing things happen. Excellent. Fabulous. And Valerie, did you have a thought that you wanted to share? Um, I think that moments passed. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. If it comes back, please share it. Okay. Okay. And the fifth accountability, Sam, you had was contributing to your relationships. Absolutely. More? And, you know, I would say, I would ask you to think, both of you, think in your life of some things that you're proud of, some accomplishments that you're that, that are significant to you. And I would like the listeners to do the same thing. Maybe it's a, a high school degree. Maybe it's a college degree. Maybe it's starting a business, getting a radio show. Um, uh, we, there's so many things that everyone has achieved. And I would literally, I would take every dollar out of my pocket right now, put it on the table, and wager that none of us have achieved anything in our life of significance where there wasn't a relationship involved. Mm-hmm. And if relationships are that important, if relationships are that significant, then it only makes sense that we work very hard to develop the relationships that we have as well as to build new relationships. And I believe you do that by making contributions to those relationships. I'm not talking money, but I'm talking about time, care, energy, making a difference. And I look at relationships two ways. Interpersonal relationships, like the ones that we have, people to people, peers, business associates, family, friends, loved ones. But then we also have a relationship in the community in which we live and serve, and the globe in which we inhabit. And those relationships need to be looked after as well. Wonderful. Valerie, anything to add? I love the, how that connects with um, what you say all the time. You have to make deposits into relationships if you're going to withdraw from them. Mm-hmm. And that whole notion of how are you treating people and how are you maintaining those relationships with grace. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Yeah, one of the best ways to contribute to a relationship, in my opinion, is 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 to what I call catch someone doing what they are great at, and then acknowledge that greatness. Mm-hmm. And I was on a flight out of um, I was on a flight out of California recently, and the flight attendant on Delta Airlines was so cheerful and so happy and had such a big smile, and she shared that with everyone. And it really impacted my day. She made me feel so good. And I pulled out one of the coupons that Delta gives me to hand out to their people that are doing a great job and recognition and catch them doing something right. And and I worded it to her, and I wrote on there as a note, because you have to put on there, why are you giving this to that individual? They turn them, on to their HR per- turn them into their HR person. And I wrote that this individual absolutely made my day. She made me feel special, and she changed my outlook on what was going on around me. I said, you should give her a raise, and if you don't, I will. Well, she put that in her pocket, and... And and she didn't read it, but she came back about 10 minutes later when she came back down the aisle, and she looked at me. She put her hand on my shoulder, and she said, thank you. And there were tears in her eyes. Uh. 
Yeah. That's a wonderful I realize story. that, you mm-hmm. know what, by me catching what she is great at and mm-hmm. acknowledging that, it really meant a lot to her, and it yeah. empowered her to take that greatness and expand on it even more. Wonderful. We have to take another break, Val. I know we did not get to the emailed questions. We'll get to it in our next segment. Please stay with us. We'll get to your questions and be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact InnoVisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email Dr. G at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the Kidstar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Okay, and we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Five Accountabilities for Personal and Professional Growth is our discussion today with Sam Silverstein, author of No More Excuses, and Valerie Wright, President and CEO of Wright Ideas Unlimited. Valerie, you are going to share with us emailed um, questions that we received from our listening audience. Yes. um, Our first question comes from Victor in Georgia, uh, and it reads as follows. A A friend recently sent me this book, which I think is excellent. I would also like to say that I'm excited about today's timely conversation. My question is, how do you prepare the organization, or in my case, the department, to be to become accountable when it has not been valued at this level previously? How do you introduce the concept into the culture? Okay, Sam. Well, it's, it's a powerful question, and... We have what we call the Accountability Academy, and that's where we actually go into organizations, and that's what we do. We help them embed or infuse accountability in their culture. There's three things that are critical to have in place. Number one, it must start at the top. It must start at the top. If it's not, if it's not um, 
lived by top management, then it's very difficult at any level to make that change. Second, we must realize that change takes time. Uh, You can't send someone off to a three-day seminar and expect them to come back and implement everything they learn. So we, we look to create this change over 30 weeks. And if it's something that's significant and worth having, then we need to look at just trying to have a little bit of change each week. And the message needs to be consistent. So you take these five accountabilities and you just work on each one for a period of time, building slowly. But when people do the right thing, when when they're implementing these accountabilities, we need to catch them, we need to reward them, and we need to uh, recognize that consistency. So when it's top-down and it's, it's led by example, when we take our time to make the change and we have a consistent message, then we can we can uh, progress and actually make inroads in infusing accountability into the culture. Excellent. Valerie, uh, any thoughts? Um, no, I actually think he summed it up well. It's, okay. it's about time. It's as we talk about, you know, what do you model, support, and reward, mm-hmm. and we and it always starts at the top, and I think that it's how you change the culture of any organization, regardless mm-hmm. To what it is you're trying to shift. Yeah, absolutely. I've had organizations bring us in. For, they want the Accountability Academy. They want their people to go through it. And people can go through individually from us, but we, we work with companies. And every once in a while, I'll have a top-level executive that's, you know, I'm going to have Sue or Joe uh, run with this, and they're in charge. I'm not going to be involved with it. And uh, we did that one time, and it didn't work. And after that, you know, our policy is if, if everyone's not involved, we're not going to do it because if it doesn't start at the top, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Love it. Valerie, you have another question. I do. I have a question from Maria in New Mexico. Uh, Maria's question is, uh, is there an order in which one should begin to work on and develop in these accountabilities as an, at an individual level? That's a great question. First of all, I love New Mexico. It's a beautiful state, and I love visiting out there. But to the question at hand, um, I, I struggle with this sometimes because every time I think about these five accountabilities and every time I'm talking about it with either an executive or in front of a live audience, I keep thinking to myself, wow, that's the most important one. And then I talk about the next accountability, and I go, wow, that's the most important one. And I don't think that mastering one and not mastering the others is really going to make the progress that everyone wants to make. We need to master all five. So the question comes back, where do we start? I think it's critical that we become accountable to know what our strategic intent is and then that we create our right things. That generates the focus that we need. We understand the mission, and then we know what we need to do to achieve that. And then we build the other four accountabilities around so that over time we master all five. But we have to start someplace. Mm -hmm. I would start with strategic intent and right things. Wonderful. Thank you. Valerie, anything to add? No, I think that sums it up. Great. And how about, did you say you had a third question? I do. The third question comes from James in Missouri, and James says, what are some exercises or methods I can use to help me in refining and developing my strategic intent? Does this mean developing a plan to execute my vision? 
Okay. Um, well, I'm in Missouri, so I want to make sure that, that we get this one answered properly. And I, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit of a confusion between the strategic intent and the plan. The strategic intent is the vision. The strategic intent is what we're trying to achieve. It's the goal. It's the mission. And then what needs to be developed from there are your right things. And we start very broad and we work down. So if, if, our, if our strategic intent is, let's say we're in sales, and our strategic intent is this year we want to grow sales by 20%. That's the strategic intent. Then the next step is, you know, well, what has to be done to do that? And, and then you would list those things. And then you would say, well, what needs to be done to do that? And then you would say, what needs to be done to do that? And I believe it takes three levels down before you find the true activities that need to be executed. So you might want to grow sales. So what has to be done? Well, we need to expand the sales team. Okay, so what needs to be done? We need to add two more sales professionals. Okay, what needs to be done? Well, then we need to, then we need to hire, we need to train, we need to um, equip. And so you get down into the exact tactics that need to be done to help you achieve what your strategic intent is. And again, sometimes that strategic intent is an overall umbrella for the whole organization, but sometimes that strategic intent is very narrow and focused. And there's nothing wrong with either way, but the more narrow focused you are, the easier it is to come up with your right things, gain traction, and get measurable results. Wonderful. Thank you for that question from Missouri. And thank you for our our other questions. We really appreciate it when our our listeners send in questions. And, Sam, thank you so much for answering each of those. Valerie, as well as Sam, any any final thoughts or tips that you'd share with our listening audience on accountability from a personal or organizational space? Well, I think it goes back to some of the things that both you and Valerie mentioned, and, uh, and that is, you know, we need to understand what our purpose is. We need to understand our purpose as individuals and organizations, and then we need to say, you know what, there's not, I'm not going to let anything get in the way of me achieving that purpose. I'm going to find a way to get this done. And I need to be proactively accountable because I know when I take charge and I understand what I'm responsible for and I execute on that day in and day out, I'm going to achieve amazing things. And we've put a whole host of free resources, the newsletter and, and articles on the website at samsilverstein.com. And anybody that wants to help themselves to that, please go check it out or check out the Accountability Academy, but start off by determining what it is you want to achieve and and commit yourself that you're not going to let anyone or anything stop you from achieving it. Excellent. Wonderful. Valerie, how about yourself? Any final thoughts or tips or, or references? Yes, I, I actually would ditto what he said. I think that we are our best selves when we are clear about our purpose And sometimes that means really taking time to reflect, understand whether it's within our work role, within our own lives, or as a part of an organization, getting clarity about why we're in a place, what is our purpose, and how do we live that purpose out, uh, being congruent with our own values, both the inner voice and how people see us, you know, being... um, clear about what we take on, is it leading us to where we need to go, I think, and that is then living purposefully uh, with the integrity and the intention that 
gets us to our goal. I think it's, um, you know, we serve ourselves well, we serve our organization, and absolutely serve our community. And I think the if I were to choose one that I think is important um, that we don't pay enough attention to, and that is relationships, as Sam was talking about, giving back, that we gain um, power and we feel more purposeful when we are able to give back and give into others' lives. Wonderful. Well, I thank both of you for giving back and giving into the lives of myself and everyone who's been tuned in and listening to this conversation today. I appreciate your sharing of your information freely and uh, willingly, and I think it's really been a really rich conversation. So, Sam, thank you so much, and Valerie, thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. My pleasure. Always a pleasure working with you. (laughs) Thank you, and thank you so much to our listening audience for tuning in. Please join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.